what is the network state? So the network state in one sentence, a network state is a highly aligned online community with a capacity for collective action that crowdfunds territory around Sorry about that. Let me do that again. In one informal sentence, the network state. A network state is a highly aligned online community with a capacity. All right. Let's try this again. Let's try not to get disconnected here. So I'm going to do it one more time. Let's see if it works. A network state is a highly aligned online community with a capacity for collective action that crowdfunds territory around the world and eventually gains diplomatic recognition from pre-existing states. When we think of a nation state, we immediately think of the lands. But when we think of a network state, we should instantly think of the minds. That is, if the nation state system starts with the map of the globe, and assigns each patch of land to a single state, the network state system starts with the seven plus billion humans of the world and attracts each mind to one or more networks. Here's a more complex definition that extends that concept and preemptively covers many edge cases. A network state is a social network with a moral innovation, a sense of national consciousness, a recognized founder, a capacity for collective action, an in-person level of civility, an integrative cryptocurrency, a consensual government limited by a social smart contract, an arpiglio of crowdfunded physical territories, a virtual capital, and an on-chain census that proves a large enough population, income, and real estate footprint to attain a measure of diplomatic recognition. Okay, that's a mouthful. It's lengthy, because there are many internet phenomena that share some, uh, some, but not all, of the properties of a network state. For example, neither Bitcoin, nor Facebook, nor a DAO is a network state because each lacks certain qualities, like diplomatic recognition, which are core to anything we think of as the next version of the nation state. If you want to skip ahead, oh, my bad, the network state in one image. And this is an image of Tokyo, Mumbai, Delhi, Sao Paulo, New York, population 1.7 billion, annual income 158 billion, 137 square meters. So a picture helps. The dashboard above that I just explained shows what a million person network state looks like on a map. Specifically, it depicts a network state with 1.7 million people more than $157 billion in annual income and 136 million square meter footprint. The first thing we notice is that a network state isn't physically centralized like a nation state, nor limited in scale like an, a city state. It's geographically decentralized and connected by the internet. The second thing we see is that you could feasibly start this kind of country from your computer. That is, just as Facebook grew from one person's laptop a million-person network state that owns a global 
archipelago, is that the right way to say it, of physical territory could start as a one-person starved society. The third thing we see is how central the real-time census is to the network state. The dashboard shown combines concepts from coins, companies, and countries to focus on society on growth in people, annual income, and real estate footprint. Continued growth is a continuous plebiscite, a vote of confidence by the people inside who remain and those who outside who apply. Roughly speaking, a successful network state is one that attracts aligned immigrants, and an unsuccessful network state is one that loses them. That doesn't mean each network state must grow to infinity or that all states need to accept the same kind of person, but that the community of network states as a whole is focused on building admirable societies that people want to join. Different states will focus on different metrics. Imagine a network state premised on boosting its citizens' life expectancy or one aimed at provably right-shifting the income distribution. You get what you measure. So what is the network state in one thousand words. Technology has allowed us to start new companies, new communities, and new currencies. But can we use it to create new cities or even new countries? A key concept is to go cloud first and land last, but not land never, by starting with an online community and then materializing it into the physical world. We get there in seven steps. Step one, found a startup society. This is simply an online community with aspirations of something greater. Anyone can found one, just like anyone can found a company or cryptocurrency. And the founder's legitimacy comes from whether people opt to follow them or not. Number two, organize it into a group of capable, sorry, organize into a group capable of collective action. Given a sufficiently dedicated is to organize it into a networking union. Like a social network, a network union has a purpose. It coordinates its members for their mutual benefit. And unlike traditional union, a network union is not solely in opposition to a particular corporation, so it can take a variety of different collective actions. Unionization is a key step because it turns an otherwise ineffective online community into a group of people working together for a common cause. Number three. Build trust offline and a cryptocurrency online. Begin holding in-person meetups in the physical world of increasing scale while simultaneously building an internal economy using cryptocurrency. Fund physical nodes. Sufficient trust has been built and funds have been accumulated funding houses and even towns to bring digital citizens into the physical world within real co-living communities. Step five, digitally connect physical communities. Link these physical notes together into a network, I, I keep getting this word, archipelago, a set of digitally connected physical territories distributed around the world. Nodes of the network range from one-person apartments to in-person communities of arbitrary size. Physical access is granted by holding a Web3 crypto passport and mixed reality is used to seamlessly link the online and offline worlds. Step six, conduct an on-chain census. As the society scales, run a cryptographically unitable census to demonstrate the growing size of your population, income, and real estate footprint. This is how a startup society proves traction in the face of skepticism. And step seven, gain diplomatic recognition.
A startup society with sufficient scale should eventually be able to negotiate for diplomatic recognition from at least one pre-existing government, and from there, gradually increase sovereignty, slowly becoming a true network state. The key idea is to populate the land from the cloud and to do so all over the earth. Unlike, unlike an ideological disaligned and geographically centralized legacy state, which packs millions of dis, um, disputants in one place, a network state is ideologically aligned with geographically dis, but geographically decentralized. The people are spread around the world in clusters of varying size, but their hearts are in one place. As the population and economy of a startup society grow, comparable to that of a legacy state with millions of citizens and billions in income, it should eventually be able to attain recognition from existing sovereigns and ultimately the United Nations, just as Bitcoin has become a bona fide national currency, like in El Salvador. So the network state in one essay, all right? A proposition is not a nation, though it can become one. Here we describe a peaceful, reproducible, oh, reproducible process for turning an online community premised on a proposition into a physical state with a virtual capital, a network state, the sequel of to the nation state. We want to be able to peaceably start a new state for the same reason we want a bare plot of earth, a blank sheet of paper, an empty text buffer, a fresh startup, or a clean slate because we want to build something new without historical constraint. The financial demand for a clean slate is clear. People buy millions of acres of vacant land and incorporate hundreds of thousands of new companies each year, spending billions just to get that fresh start. And now that it is possible to start not just new companies, but new communities and even new currencies, we see people flocking to create those as well. The societal value of a clean slate is also clear. In the technology sector alone, the ability to form new companies has created trillions of dollars in wealth over the past few decades. Indeed, if we imagine a world where you couldn't just obtain a blank sheet of paper, but had to erase an older one, where you couldn't just acquire bare land, but had to knock down a standing building, where you couldn't just create a new company, but had to reform an existing firm, we imagine endless conflict over scarce resources. Perhaps we don't have to think too hard to imagine this world. It resembles our own. In the distant past, people could not, could only write on clay tablets. In the recent past, they were executed for contemplating entrepreneurship. And in the immediate present, they are arguing for replacing an ancient gas station. In, those, in these times and places, making a fresh start has been technologically infeasible politically impossible or judicially punishable. And that's where we are today with countries, cities, nations, governments, institutions, and much more of the physical world. Because the brand new is unthinkable. We fight over the old. I'm going to say that one more time. Because the brand new is unthinkable, we fight over the old. But perhaps we can change that. So let's get into how to start a new country. There are at least six ways to start a new country. Three are conventional and three are unconventional. We will introduce them only to deprioritize them all in favor of a seven. Number one, election. The most conventional way to start a new country involves winning sufficient power in an election to either A, rewrite the laws of an existing state, or B, carve out a new one from scratch with the recognition of the international community. 
This is the most widely discussed path and by far the most crowded, perhaps too crowded. Number two, revolution. The second obvious way is a political revolution. We don't advise attempting this. Particularly momentous elections are sometimes referred to as revolutions, though a revolution frequently involves bloodshed. Revolutions are infrequent, but everyone knows what they mean, that they mean a new government. Number three, war. The third conventional way to form a new state is to win a war. We don't advise attempting this either. A war is, of course, not independent from the other two. Indeed, both elections and revolutions can lead to wars that end up carving out new uh, politics. Like a revolution, a war is infrequent and undesirable, but is a means by which to redraw state borders. Number four, micro-nations. Now we get to the unconventional. The most obvious of the unconventional approaches, and the one most people think of when they hear the concept of, quote, starting a new country, occurs when eccentric plants, when eccentric plants a flag in an offshore platform or disputed patch of dirt and declares themselves king of nothing. If the issue with elections is that too many people care about them, the issue with these so-called micronations is that too few people care. Because a state, like a currency, is an inherently social affair. A few people in the middle of nowhere won't be able to organize a military, enforce laws, or be recognized by other countries. Moreover, while an existing state may be content to let people harmlessly LARP a fake country in their backyard, an actual threat to sovereignty typically produces a response with real guns, whether that be the Falklands or the Sakhalin. Sorry for the pronunciation. Number five, sea steeding. Here's where things start to get interesting. Conceived by Patrick Feynman and backed by Peter Thiel, seasteading essentially starts with the observation that cruise ships exist and asks whether we can move from a few weeks on the water at a time to semi-permanent habit habitation in international waters, with frequent docking, of course. If the cost of the cruise ship falls, this approach becomes more feasible. But while there are individuals who live on cruise ships year-round, we haven't yet seen a scaled example. Number six, Elon Musk's favorite, space. Perhaps the most prestigious of the state, perhaps the most prestigious of the start a new country paths is the idea of colonizing other planets. Unlike seasteading or micronations, space exploration started at the government level and has been glamorized in many movies and TV shows, so it enjoys a higher degree of social acceptability. This path is typically received as temporarily, technically infeasible, rather than outright crazy. Elon Musk's SpaceX is one entity seriously contemplating the logistics of starting a new state on Mars. And number seven, network states. And finally, we arrive at our preferred method, the network state. Our idea is to proceed cloud first, land last. Rather than starting with the physical territory, we start with the digital community. We create a startup society, organize it into a network union, crowdfund the physical nodes of a network, and in the fullness of time, eventually negotiate for diplomatic recognition to become a true network state. We build the embryonic state as an open source project. We organize our internal economy around remote work. We cultivate in-person levels of civility. We simulate architecture in VR, and we create art and literature that reflects our values. When we crowdfront territory in the real world, it's not necessarily uh, contingent territory because an underappreciated fact is that the internet allows us to network enclaves. 
a network need not acquire all its territory in one place at one time. It can connect a thousand apartments, a hundred houses, and a dozen cul-de-sacs in different cities into a new kind of fractal polity with its capital in the cloud. Community members migrate between these enclaves and crowdfund territory nearby with every individual dwelling and group house presenting an independent opportunity for expansion. And with a thousand such enclaves, rather than four directions to expand, I got disconnected again. Sorry about that. Let's continue. Um, I was saying north, south, east, west. There are, I'll restart it. And with a thousand such enclaves, rather than four directions to expand north, east, south, and west, there are more than four, more like 4,000. What we've described thus far is much like an ethnic diaspora in which immigrants are internationally dispersed, but connected by communication channels with each other and the motherland. The twist is that our version is a reverse diaspora, a community that forms first on the internet, builds a culture online, and only then comes together in person to build dwellings and structures. In a sense, you can think of each physical outpost of this digital community as a cloud embassy, similar to the grassroots Bitcoin embassies that have risen around the world to help people understand Bitcoin. New recruits can visit either the virtual or physical parts of a network state, beta test it, and decide to leave or stay. Now, with all this talk of embassies and countries, one might well contend that network states, like the aforementioned micronations, are just a LARP. Unlike micronations, however, they are set up to be a scaled LARP a feat of imagination practiced by large numbers of people at the same time. And the experience of cryptocurrencies over the last decade shows us just how powerful such a shared LARP can be. Later on, we're going to, in the next session, we'll get into the minimum necessary innovation, what counts as a country. Most countries are small countries. And then history as a trajectory which will be the next chapter. History as a trajectory. Anyways, I hope that was uh, enjoyable. I find it uh, super interesting. Um, thanks for listening. Pax, appreciate it. Thumbs up if you like it. Or I'll keep going if you if you give it a thumbs up. I'll keep going. Was that a thumbs up? One more and I'll go. I don't know if it was a thumbs up or not. All right. I don't think it was, right? Cool. All right. Oh. You want to talk? All right. Here. I'll invite you to speak. You're invited to speak if you want to share your thoughts. You're on mute, Tom. Okay. Hello. How's it going? Good. Good. How are you? Oh, this is cool. Yeah, this is my first time uh, uh, checking in with anybody on the app. Y yeah, um, it's, I did it once before, uh, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
So yeah, I had to answer a, a thing on the top and then unmute on the bottom, but I think I figured it out now. So anyway, um, yeah, I just I just happened to see your little thing here on my feed, so I jumped in because I'm actually reading the network state right now myself. I'm only I'm less than halfway through it, but oh, wow. uh, he's yeah, he's definitely got some very provocative, forward-thinking ideas. Um, I I I just I listened to um, him on the Tim Ferriss podcast today, and I was oh. towards the. I was like, damn! I was like, this guy's a genius. Like, there's something here. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty cool. I I saw that podcast was like three hours. I have it downloaded. Yeah. I just commute <laughs> long enough to listen to the whole thing. So <laughs> a really a really good set. There's a good app for listening to podcasts called Snip, like S N I P D. Yeah, it's just really good. Um, and because uh, you can like snip parts of it. There's a really interesting part towards like the probably like eighty percent of the way through about crypto yeah. in India. And how, like, where, where are you located? I am in Hawaii. Oh, wow. That's crazy. What time yeah. is it? It is, uh, it's afternoon. What is it? It might be like four o'clock. Let me see here. Something like that. That's yeah, crazy. 423. Yep. Okay. All right. It's 1030 on the East Coast. But, um, yeah. so, uh, uh, it was about, like, uh, how everyone on the internet, basically, we don't know it now. Or we're going to see it soon. Is basically like what India's done from an infrastructure standpoint the past 10 years is like bananas and like literally wow. it's a billion people that just got on the internet and we just don't even know that yet. Yeah. No, I it's the internet is is a major game changer. I mean, I we're we're not gonna have a unipolar world much longer. It's just humanity is able to communicate like never before. You we're not gonna put why- up with these gatekeepers that wanna control the narrative. And then cryptocurrency brings in the ability to send value. Just being exposed because so, of it. It's huge. Yeah, yeah. Just know that so he's got some ideas about a, a ability to, to to build a state starting online from the ground up. Um, one of the things I would just say is, what is a network state? How is that different than a corporation? It seems to have a lot of very, very similar qualities. But uh, yeah, I, I, well, the big thing is, is, is sharing the same like moral value. So like the core yeah. of like belief systems. So a lot of people in a corporation or like a lot of people on Facebook are people of who have vastly different uh, because it was just yeah. vastly different views on stuff. Right. It was all about, you know, Metcalf's law scale, like one one additional person is like more interaction on the network. So it's more um, favorable or, or worth more. But that's not going to be true anymore. If it actually causes it, it assumes that there's a positive sum return on that communication is kind of what Balaji was saying. And uh, he's saying like these smaller communities where people have aligned like moral values is really going to be these type of like communities that people are going to be a part of. Whereas like a corporation, you know, you're you're with people that don't aren't aligned with you morally. Let's be honest. The corporation is the totalitarian dictatorship, basically. One (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent. Oh, I mean. (laughs) <laughs> there's, some, there's some good uh, media lately, like Severance, that, that digs into the downside of that. You know? It's true. Um, it's true, though. But, yeah, people, something... it's a, why do people not see that, though, when it comes to, like, Pfizer and stuff like that? It's, like, blowing yeah. my mind. Like, they're all the same. What's the deal? <laughs> so so the whole point is, um, you know, developing a, a network or a, or a community where there's no coercion and it's all voluntary and we collaborate it's- you know, freely in some sort of more like a gift economy, you know, where we feel a connection and we have a common cause and yes, morally and ideologically aligned. That's when 
that's when big things can happen, I think. Yeah, you know, what you just said is the biggest part, I think, in my opinion, which is the voluntarily, like, it's used to be, or like it is now, it's where we're located, and that's geographically, we're just in whatever this nation state is. It's not voluntary, but when it becomes voluntary, then you have to, you have to continue to add value. You can't just, like, censor, try and take away, otherwise you're going to run into issues. Yeah, yeah. You know? Totally. Super yeah, interesting. I, I uh... I'm continuing to read through this. I, he's much more, it seems like, I mean, this guy's a billionaire, right? He comes from Silicon Valley. It's like, I, I still see like major gaps in just his worldview. Um, Interesting. Because I come from a working class background, you know, I, I don't Which is have- Which 63% such... of the US and people forget that. Yeah. Yes. And like, you know, 99, 95% of the rest of the world kind of thing. But, uh, right. Well, he has a PhD, so he was in academia for a long time. You know what I mean? So he's yeah. got that skewed point of view. Yeah. But still, he's, he's brilliant and bringing a lot of interesting just, uh, you know, uh, possibilities to the table. Yeah, because I think we agree that wherever we're going now probably isn't the best direction. I don't think. We need to, yeah, we need to get over this hump and hopefully without World War Three, and uh, yeah, that just, might happen though. But but I just I just have too much faith in humanity and that we're always going to just get like everyone's like oh end of civilization or there's this good book called The End of the World is Just the Beginning by Peter Zion which has a really unique view. If you've ever heard of it. Yeah. So that was, so I'm more of the side of like, um, whatever you think of the individuals, but Ray Dalio's the the changing world order. I feel like that's pretty down, but Peter Zion's is really interesting because it's basically explaining it through the lens of like, like macroeconomic resources and like, like who controls the food and like the energy. It's like, it makes so much sense, but, there's no yeah. way, though. Yeah, yeah. I, no, it's I gonna think be like I, a Peter I have Dalio's book. I think I got through about a third of it. It's just too dry. He's really, he really tries to explain things in terms of like to a fifth grader. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm he a has little to. more higher level. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I, it's I couldn't. Good. I'm telling I, you, I wasn't I motivated to get all chance. the way through. Yeah, I yeah, I probably did. But uh, um, what strikes me is that he is, he's. He's not, you know, super anti-China like most of the rest of the libertarian tech people. No, he's pro-China. He he very much is. I mean, he recognizes that it's in the best interest of the West basically to to have a strategic retreat and basically, I mean, we're it's it's a nuclear armed civilization, both China and Russia. We can't continue just to threaten them and coerce them into following our rules. We there's got to be but some Russia, sort of you know, but, multipolar. But Russia's nothing to China. Sure, sure. In as as far as population, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and like, and, and it's inevitable that China's economy is going to be like three to four times the size of ours in like the next like couple of years. Like, it's not a bad. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. And like, and honestly, the only thing they're able to maintain. Their, their, you know, totalitarian control over free, free speech and stuff like that <laughs> is because their whole population has been, you know, conditioned to look at the West as the greatest threat to them. So yep. they understand that the narrative is important. So hey. as I really think as the West just scales things back and maybe, you know, maybe let's, uh, you know, uh, tear down like half of our you know, 750 military bases around the world or something like that. 
you know, once, once they become confident that, that they're not going to be, you know, attacked by us, then they may begin to loosen up. I mean, that maybe that's too optimistic. But yeah, does that I, get us in trouble then? Then are we like defenseless and like then we're screwed if we're hoping for the, it's like prisoner's dilemma. Yeah. Like, do we screw ourselves? It's I just there still has to be a track record of, of Chinese imperialism. And I know everybody's talking about that, but the, <laughs> the track record is is really the advance of NATO and, and you know, Western <laughs> change wars. We really don't have a lot to accuse them of, at least at this time. And let's hope we never do. But. I, yeah, I just yeah, need I, identifying with the nation state. I have so much struggle with that. Like, like yeah. it's so ingrained in us to be like, like I'm not anti-American. Yeah. Like we we probably live in the best country in the world, probably. And it's just like, which people don't even understand. But like, yeah. I, I don't want to. Why can't we just be like human? <laughs> you know, yeah. like I don't no, get absolutely. it. Yeah. Like yeah, we're I, near from human. The the near term though is going to continue to be more nationalism and. There's going to be a sort of a, uh, you know, a failure of globalization because I yes. believe that they're going to begin to understand they need to be self-sufficient, especially in their, you know, critical infrastructure, their food, their energy, that kind of thing. They, they need to be developed. And this is where, you know, the whole Western strategy, you know, since the end of World War II was to keep all the third world nations dependent on, yep. you know, Western, Western corporations. You, you know a lot so about this. Are you like a history well, buff too? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've read a lot of books. I, uh, I in the eighties, excuse me, in the in the two thousands after after um nine eleven, I I did a bunch of podcasts. I had a number of years where I would talk about this stuff all the time, and it's it's been like it's been like since then that I've ha- have uh, I've had like a a dead zone of of no no sharing my views so this is this is a momentous occasion of, of me coming <laughs> up and actually you know shooting the shit with somebody in a podcast dude you should you're clearly extremely knowledgeable i could tell you're well read that's very obvious like you like this is stuff i've just learned you've clearly known this i'm just like everybody else i just highly opinionated you know because <laughs> everyone's opinion is the most important thing ever right oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. that's crazy Dude, start a start a you should you should start up a podcast again. I'm, on, thinking, like I'm thinking about doing goes. something like that. I'm thinking about doing something like that. What do you have to lose? Yeah, yeah. No, I I just got to set aside the time and and focus and get a good little outline going, and then I'm and a then big believer to... that you make time for what you want to make time for. Yeah. Well, this is I mean just because of what's going on in the world, this is like consuming me. You know, I'm. I'm watching all this shit go down, and it's it like... It does feel weird, doesn't it? Like, the the world feels it, like it's in a really weird space, doesn't it? it? It's in like, going through a little apocalyptic kind of transition here. Does it, I feel it's like crazy. most people feel that in the air. Like, is that obvious, yeah. don't you think? Yeah. I think it is. It's, it's, it's full of danger, but full of opportunity at the same time. Oh, full of massive opportunity. It's overwhelmingly in favor of opportunity than danger, by yeah. far, always, forever. I th- yeah, I think I think a lot of the saber rattling and threats and you know, the ratcheting up of of you know Western versus China, Western versus Russia. I, I think a lot of that hopefully is just you know a lot of empty talk. It's and manufactured, like you, I think, from the media. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But the media is one of the biggest problems. But it's a it's the, the biggest problem. media, yeah. It's that's why it's I love YouTube, and, and that's why I love. You know, I have several different social media accounts, including uh, an Eastern European one that is mostly Russians. 
So I, I'm talking people that are explaining their point of view, and you're never going to get that in the West. And and I don't have to agree truth. with that. We don't even know if we're watching the truth. We don't know what's true and not true because they're skewed. Like, we don't. I don't know if we're getting yeah. all the facts. Yep. Like, we yep. can't it's handle crazy. it. We're just it's peasants. Crazy. Yeah, in a sense, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, the oh, internet awesome. is well, man, allowing humans to come together, to collaborate, to share information, to share value. And uh, that's, that's what the future is going to be all about. Wait, the last thing I'll say is, because uh, you, you're a big book reader, I would say that like, if I had to pick a book that's like what the future is going to look like, and I really feel like they're spot on, you probably might have read it. But they wrote in 97, but it's like they wrote it in 2020, The Sovereign okay. Individual. Have you read that? Uh, it's come across my uh, my my consciousness many times. I I don't think I've actually <laughs> read it. I, I think I know some of the basic premises of it. And actually, it was it's just, the future. Uh, Lodi uh, just referenced it in a in a recent page that I read in the book. I mean, they 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 predicted the oh. future. They predicted the future. I I read it. I, I'm reading it over and over again. I feel like they yeah. they know. So I that feel was like that's what the future is going to be. That was before the internet really took off, before crypto. Yeah. Before, yeah Dude, that's, 97, that's when I read it the first time, I swear to God, I thought it was written in 2020 because they're talking about the pandemic and stuff. I almost lost my shit. Oh, yeah. Damn. They didn't call okay. it that, but they said like a bioweaponized like, thing. Like, yeah. yeah. They, 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 it, yeah. Put that on your list. I'm telling you. Well, and then we could we yeah. come back here and shoot the shit. It's unbelievable. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I'm on a friendly on this app and uh, – We'll stand. I I'm fe- I feel bad. You only had one guy listening. Me. <laughs> oh, dude, I don't care. I There's just more... want to see what would happen if I read it. No, I'm I tested. mean it's it's worthy of discussion. The, the network state is is totally worthy of discussion. And then, I can't believe you know, you're already halfway through it. So you started reading it. Like it came out on the fourth. So you how'd you oh, know I, it right away? I uh I actually got to download it uh, before the fourth, my time. You know, it was released on the so I got oh, it the night. Right. How did you know about it though? Um, it must have been through Twitter. It must have crossed my path yeah. on Twitter, and so I just uh, I, I pre-bought it on Amazon, and then it, then I was able to download it the night before the fourth. Well, there's no physical reading. book, right? I went. There's no yeah. physical book. No, it's just the Kindle version. That's all I have. Yeah. Or he has web pages that are he each no, page is true. a web it page. Is, it is. Yeah, he does have it online for free. So I've been I because shared that on Reddit. Dynamic. He's making it yeah. so the book's dynamic. If things change, it can update. It's kind of smart, actually. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, every every time he makes a point or, or gives a citation, he's got a hyperlink that will oh. take you to it. It's it's pretty it's pretty good. Yeah, he's a smart dude. He's a really smart he's dude. Smart well, dude. He's well organized, and he's and he's uh, he's very motivated to you know present these things. So I just I wonder I, why. There will come a time where I well I will try and put together an organized critique from more of a left wing perspective, but um, in in the meantime I just uh, discussion should continue and I'll be paying attention. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Pax, this was awesome. I really appreciate you jumping on yeah. and uh, being the only one listening. It's badass, man. Let's get back on here and uh, let's shoot the shit For in a sure. little while. That was that was fun. For sure. All right, thanks, man. You have a good day. All right, you too. Bye. Okay.